Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. Happy Monday. Assuming you don't own James Paxton, you're listening to this on August 3rd. Frank Stanford, alongside Scott White and Chris Towers. Scott, how are you doing, man? Uh, I assume you don't own much uh, James Paxton. Uh, not much. Not much, but I do have a little bit. A little bit. There was a stretch there, remember, where he, when he cost next to nothing in some of those teams I drafted in March. And apparently he was actually worth next to nothing. So <laughs> we should have we should have all just stayed the course. Chris is here and Chris has a brand new setup. He's got a new microphone. He's got new headphones. Chris, looking snazzy, man. How you doing, buddy? Uh yeah. Yeah. I guess snazzy is one word for it. I'm I'm rocking my fantasy football today. Uh, t-shirt because you know anytime you get swag you gotta rock it and uh, I'm good I'm focused despite the, the t-shirt I am focused on baseball <laughs> let's do way. it guys there's, <laughs> there's a lot to get to from over the weekend we're gonna recap as much of it as we possibly can uh, we're gonna do a little bit of time to talk about these guys a lot of players that we're getting questions about whether or not you should add them should you drop some of the players we're gonna talk about and then we will look at the week ahead from Scott White, of course, who writes the hitting and the pitching planner on CBSSports.com. Let's it's, jump right it, in. It, it, it's a whole different week <laughs> than we talked about on 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 Thursday night. Just to be clear, it's everything's changed. The world is upside down. Everything has changed, and I'm going to start with my. Oh my good goodness gracious! Oh my goodness gracious! You heard the name. I mentioned it at the top. James Paxton going against the Red Sox Sunday night. Three innings pitched, seven hits, five runs. Only three of those were earned. Was not helped out by the defense. Zero walks. That's good for James Paxton. Four strikeouts. He averaged 91.5 miles per hour on the fastball. Last year, that number was 95.5 miles per hour on the fastball. He will face the Tampa Bay Rays this week. I am assuming that you should get him out of your lineup. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the kind of start where you can't really be sure that guy will make that next start. No, it's a fair point. And I think it wouldn't surprise me. We're recording this Sunday night. If it comes out later after this, if it comes out Monday morning that he is currently dealing with something, whether it's mechanically, if he's, you know, still kind of dealing with something with his back, the guy had surgery five months ago. So, I mean, you have to keep that in mind when it comes to Paxton and he's been injury prone. But Scott, I will just ask you this one question because some people have already asked us on Twitter. Would you consider dropping James Paxton right now? I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility in shallower leagues. There are a lot of players who, uh, in particular pitchers, who I know we've all been anxious to get on rosters, a couple more added this weekend, I feel like, to that list. And, uh, I mean, he's he's unusable right now. I mean, throwing three, four miles per hour lower than we're used to seeing, I mean, he, he's not he's not navigating that very well. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather hold out and wait and see if he goes on the IL and you can continue to stash him easily enough that way, but you, you can't use him right now. And if, if your roster space is limited, your league is small, it might be time to go ahead and and, uh, and cut him there. Yeah, look, in 10-team leagues, I think that you can make the argument, you know, some of the names that are floating around in some 12-team leagues that we've seen picked up over the past week or so still might be floating around in some. Christian Javier, Tyler Chatwood, who had another great start over this weekend. Uh, Chris, would you consider dropping James Paxson for either one of those guys, Javier or Tyler Chatwood? I would hope I have a pitcher with less potential than James Paxton. I mean, this is a guy who 10 days ago we were talking about as a, a must start, one of the best values in drafts. So like as much as I like Christian Javier, as much as 
I am intrigued by Tyler Chatwood. I don't think either of those guys really has the upside that we think James Paxton has if he's right. Um, so you're saying no. I would, again, I would, I would hope, given the way this season has gone, that how many injuries is a there are. answer Chris. Given how many injuries <laughs> there are, I, I certainly uh, have <laughs> lots of guys to put in IL spots okay. or uh, drop right. if, yeah. if I want one of those guys. So that was a long-winded way of saying no, I think. I mean, from maybe. Chris Towers? <laughs> no, maybe. <laughs> All yeah. right, Scott, uh, why don't you give us your... My good goodness gracious! Either from the weekend, from Sunday, whether it's good, whether it's bad, hit us, Scott. Yeah, no, you kind of, you kind of spoiled it there. Tyler Chatwood is my oh my goodness gracious player who looked very good in his first start against Milwaukee. Uh, eleven swinging strikes in that one against the Pirates on Saturday. He had eleven strikeouts. He had twenty <laughs> swinging strikes. He was. Better than I knew Tyler Ch- Chatwood to be capable of being. And, you know, given how strong he finished last season, given some of the glowing reports about him during the preseason, and now given two starts of evidence that he's a changed man, I am going to buy into that everywhere I can. Would I drop Paxton for him? Well, listen, like Chris, I would hope I have someone I could drop a little easier than James Paxton, but I, I feel like it would be easier to let Paxton go unowned than Chatwood at this point. I would, I own James Paxton in a few 12 team leagues and I would not drop James Paxton as, as worried as I am about him. I would not drop him for Tyler Chatwood, but Chatwood is someone that definitely has my attention. 19 strikeouts over his first two starts, 12 and two thirds innings pitched. He is 70% rostered on CBS sports.com. Uh, and he's kind of changed his pitch mix. He, last year, he went four seam heavy. And so far this season, he's lowered that while using more cutters and more curveballs, mm-hmm. And that has worked out very well for Chatwood. Scott, he is facing the Kansas city Royals this week who might be without Adalberto Montesi. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Is he, a must start in that matchup well he's in my 10 sleeper pitchers for week three which is almost completely changed from when you looked at it this weekend so be sure to check that out again before setting your lineup does that mean he's must start though scott no no it doesn't mean he's must start but he's high on the list he's probably second or third so it's you know you're probably going to start him if you have him all right chris oh my good goodness gracious i'm not even going to play it. i'm just going to say it for for you who do you got? Uh, do we want to go with a positive one or a negative one? Well, we've each. I've done a negative. Chris is, uh, yeah, Scott has done a positive. So it's kind of a let's let's remain positive. Let's let's be a positive show. Clayton Kershaw's velocity was up two miles per hour in his debut on Sunday, and he was excellent. Uh, caught swinging, caught and swinging strike percentage was thirty-seven percent. Fourteen whiffs on eighty-one pitches. Average 92 miles per hour with his fastball. Last season, that was 90.3. He hasn't been above 91 since 2017. So that's a pretty big deal. I mean, Clayton Kershaw, obviously, last season was still very good. Uh, You know, reports of his demise have been a little exaggerated. In 2017, he had a 231 ERA and 202 strikeouts and 175 innings. He was legitimately... Uh, still in the discussion for best pitcher in baseball back in 2017 on a pitch-for-pitch basis. If he's got some of that velocity back, he goes from being you know, a very good, reliable number two starter, which is probably what you drafted him as, to probably being one of the five or six best pitchers in baseball again. Yeah, I was going to say, I think if he's throwing 92 miles per hour like he did today, and he did work with driveline baseball in the offseason, and yep. we've seen results like this from other pitchers before, I think that he is no doubt a top 10 pitcher in fantasy baseball. And I, I don't think that that is a stretch. Steven Strasburg is dealing with injuries. I, I would put him right around that range, right around Patrick Corbin, right around uh, Walker Bueller, Mike Clevenger. Scott, I have no problem saying 11 that. whiffs with the slider today. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. And the slider I mean, plays up when he's throwing 92 miles per hour. Yeah. It's not like he was far from being top 10 where we drafted him. Right. You know? right. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the biggest the biggest issue with him is still health, especially if he's throwing harder. That uh, that almost makes that seem riskier in my eyes. But, you know, it's uh, you, you ride him while you got him for sure. 
Some news and notes, try and get through all of this. And of course, there was a lot. It was a very busy weekend in baseball. John Heyman of MLB Network reported on Sunday that the Cardinals' COVID-19 test results from Sunday revealed new positives. All Cardinals games this weekend were postponed, and now we are left to wait. So, Scott, uh, I mean, assuming we should know more on Monday morning, uh, the res- you know the test results here, would you... If you don't know whether teams are gonna, the Cardinals are gonna play or not, would you just try and get your Cardinals out of your lineup to be safe rather than sorry? Yeah, I think so. And I'm gonna have to update the the sleeper hitters again because I know I have two Cardinals in there. <laughs> so that's fun for me. Uh, they are scheduled <laughs> to play the Tigers at the beginning of the week. Yeah, you're not missing out on much there as far as the hitters go. But you know, probably take them out too, right? Because they're they're going to have nobody to play. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would suspect based on the way the Marlins were handled as more positive tests were coming out day after day, we don't see the Cardinals play for at least at least the first half of this week. And it it's possible it extends further than that. And yeah. so, you know, if you've got Cubs playing over the weekend, I'm not saying you should sit them all, but if you need a tiebreaker on someone who's close, you know, I think you're probably still starting Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo, but... Actually, I mean, even Chris Bryant, like with the start he's off to. And he's dealing with yeah. a stomach issue right now, too. Yeah. Where he didn't yeah, play Sunday. Stomach issue. He's got that elbow thing that he's been playing through. I think you can consider sitting Chris Bryant. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think that's a that's a fair call. But, you know, by the time you're listening to this, you might already know what's going on with the St. Louis yeah. Cardinals. So just keep that in mind. Shohei Otani was sent for an MRI Sunday after experiencing <sighs> discomfort in his pitching arm. Uh, obviously, this isn't something that you want to hear, but uh, he put up another clunker <laughs> on Sunday against the Astros. Look, it's a tough matchup, but less than two innings, he did not allow a hit, and he still somehow allowed two earned runs. He allowed five walks. He walked two runners in with the bases loaded while striking out three. So, I mean, just kind of pay play it by ear for now, but look, if you're using him as a pitcher, uh, there's just no way. There's no yeah. way that you can start him right now. Uh, and even as a utility, I mean, I don't, what if he lands on the IL because of this? So yeah, that, that I don't think he would start him this week as a hitter. He, his velocity was actually fine to start the outing. Then it started to fluctuate a little bit and then it just crashed. His last three fastballs were below 90 miles an hour. That is not what we're used to seeing from Shohei Otani. So I would be surprised if he didn't go on the IL given what we just saw and really how he's pitched since spring training. He, you know, he talked about, um, you know, not being comfortable, like letting go yet. And that was why he was struggling in spring training, why his velocity was down early. But I don't know if it's mental. I, I hope it's just something mental and I hope it's not uh, another serious injury. But th- I don't think there's any way you can rely on him in, in fantasy right now in, in either uh, as a hitter or definitely as a pitcher. Lorenzo Cain opted out of the season over the weekend. Take it away, Michael. I once knew a man named Lorenzo, last name Cain, like mine, only spelled differently. No E. Of course, we will respect... I like that. No pressure. You can just press a button and it comes out. That's great. Uh, We respect the decision of Lorenzo Cain, obviously, for opting out the season. Uh, Scott, I am slightly interested in Ben Gamble because it just seems like he's going to play every day. Not in 12-team leagues, but anything deeper than that. Like if you're talking about 15-team Roto or NL only... Uh, ben Gamble is someone I think is going to play every single day now. Yeah, he's got that going for him. Not not a lot of excitement there otherwise. I, I'm actually more interested in the replacement of the other player we learned just today was opting out. And, uh, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a drama happening there with the Mets. Joannis Cespedes. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Do you assume, you know, Dom Smith kind of steps into an everyday role now with the Mets, Scott? I I would assume so. And I I was thinking it might be a platoon situation since he's a left-handed hitter and and not a very good defender in left. Um, But, you know, they'd mostly been playing J.D. Davis in left and been fine with it there. So they could play Smith mostly at DH like they had been Cespedes. Smith had an 881 OPS last year and his numbers were... I think actually a little better. I know the batting average was better against lefties than righties. So I don't, I don't think it's necessary. They sit him against lefties. They may just choose to, cause he's a young guy who bats left-handed and sometimes they do that, but definitely keeping an eye on it. He, he, 
I know some Mets beat writers thought he was the most impressive hitter in summer camp. Uh, Dominic Smith was, and like I said, had a good showing in a part-time role last year. So my that's who I was looking to add in my 15-team Roto Leagues before I was looking to add Ben Gamble. That's actually a really good call, and I have a few leagues that have not run ra- waivers yet over the weekend, so... I'm going to put a few bids in. I definitely like uh, Dom Smith over Ben Gamble, but I like both of them in deeper leagues. Uh, Some Astros news. Manager Dusty Baker said Saturday that top prospect Forrest Whitley. I mean, who who on this show would actually tout Forrest Whitley? I mean, it's just, you know, so ridiculous. Uh, He felt arm discomfort while throwing during summer camp, so uh, it seems like they're going to play it kind of slow with Forrest Whitley for now. Dusty also said that Jordan Alvarez is 10 to 14 days away, and he said that on Saturday, so mind you, I don't know. How does he know? Yeah, it's... I don't it's probably just like their like organizational timeline that they have for him. Yeah, they, they said something. Like, they said something similar about Arkady that he's still like two weeks away from throwing. So take that for well, what with it's Arkady, worth. With Arkady, that makes sense because like he had like it's a lot harder to get ready for a season when you're a pitcher. But right. like Jordan Alvarez, if he's healthy, he shouldn't need two weeks. Yeah, I mean Freddie Freeman basically came back the week that the season was starting, and he got off to a bit of a slow start, but now he's bounced back. So I don't see why it would take that long for Alvarez, but. Yeah. I'm just a messenger, Chris. Uh, when it comes to Roberto Osuna, he was placed on the IL with a right with right elbow soreness. Uh, Ryan Presley is 30% rostered on CBSSports.com. Scott, if you play in a roto league and you own Roberto Osuna, how much fab would you spend on Ryan Presley? Um, maybe 15%. Are we sure he's healthy? Because he had a he's dealing with something on his finger. I know he pitched yeah. Saturday. Okay. Well, if he's back to pitching, um, yeah, he had a he had a a cut on the cuticle above his right thumbnail oh, during his season debut. But <laughs> it's like the most baseball injury ever. It's, it's just it, no. When that happens, it's so frustrating. Every time you put your hand in your pocket, it like catches on your ah, oh, it's the worst. <laughs> Am I right, guys? Uh, I I cannot relate, but. Yeah, it sounds like he's okay now. So that that does seem like the target. And, uh, you know, it doesn't... I guess we really don't know the severity of Osuna's injury. So, yeah. I mean, add, add Presley to the pile of potential closer pickups. He is on a good team, and he is super talented. So I, he would probably go near the top of that list. Adalberto Mondesi was removed from the game Sunday due to a quad contusion. And, of course, over the weekend, he finally stole his first base. Uh, but he's still been batting 6th, 7th in the order and is off to a slow start, so make sure you monitor him before setting your lineups on Monday. Craig Mish of SportsGrid reports that the Marlins will recall Monty Harrison to make his Major League debut this week in Baltimore. Last season in 58 minor league games, a 270 batting average, 792 OPS, 9 homers, 23 steals, a 29% strikeout rate for Monty Harrison. Mm -hmm. That was 36% two years ago. Yeah, that was a big improvement. Yeah, he's he's 8% rostered on CBSSports.com. Uh, Chris, what leagues, if any, does Monty Harrison need to be owned in? Roto leagues. I think if you... 12-teamers? Even, even if you play in a 12-team league, I think you have to consider it just because stolen bases are such a scarce commodity. And, you know, last year was a bit of an outlier for him in terms of stolen base, but 23 in 58 minor league games. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's been right around 80% success in the minors, so... There is stolen base potential here, and he was, by all accounts, one of the best players at camp. So yeah. he had um, six steals. Ah, uh, they don't have the stats anymore on baseball reference. I, I want to say he had six steals in spring training. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was off to a, he was running wild. He was off to a really yeah. good spring. He was playing really well in summer camp. Uh, if there were no co- roster or salary concerns, I think he would have been one of the opening day starters in the outfield. So I picked him up in the For the People League, which was a 16-team head-to-head categories league, and then later today I dropped him for Yusei Kikuchi. Was that a smart decision? <laughs> well, it's it's really hard to fit a steel specialist into a three-outfielder yeah. lineup. Yeah. So I, I don't think necessarily, but somebody should probably be rostering him in that league. That someone's going to wind up being Scott, I can already tell. (laughs) Uh, Dodgers manager Dave Roberts said Sunday that Gavin Lux is, quote, getting closer, whatever that means. Mike Trout is expected to return from the paternity list on Tuesday. Ioannis Cespedes, we already spoke about this. Uh, He did not show up for Sunday's game, and then he later opted out for the season. We have slight interest in Dominic Smith, especially in deeper leagues. The Rockies placed 
their closer, Wade Davis, on the 10-day I.O. with a right shoulder strain this weekend, Scott. And you, you basically got the full Wade Davis experience in one entire week. You got two <laughs> saves, you got one blow-up, and then he landed on the I.L. Per Kyle Newman of the Denver Post, Yairo Diaz is expected to be the next man up. He entered Sunday with a runner on second base and two outs up 9-6, to six, converted the one-out save. He is 4% rostered. Scott, you said that you would spend about 15% of your fab budget on Ryan Presley. If you owned Wade Davis, how much would you spend on Yairo Diaz? I mean, it's really beyond if you just own Wade Davis. If you need another closer. Right, I would yeah. Spend, if you just need I would saves, spend right. probably 10% on Yairo Diaz. I, I, uh, some of my weekly fab leagues, the 15-teamers, like Tout Wars and NFBC. NFBC? No, what do I mean? I mean... Uh, TGFBI. Yeah, TGFBI. Thank you. I there were a few closers out there in those. There were there were Yairo Diaz, Trevor Rosenthal, who I think is in the lead for the saves role, the closer role in Kansas Greg, City. Greg Holland Sol stinks. Solcer. By the way, who? Greg Holland stinks. Yeah, uh, Jerry's <laughs> Familia, Jonathan Hernandez, who I think worked the seventh and eighth on Sunday for the Rangers, struck out four, so it looked good, but yes. clearly wasn't being reserved for the ninth inning. But, you know, that could change very quickly. So those were the five relievers I was looking at. Diaz, Rosenthal, Solcer, Familia, and Hernandez. And Diaz was the one I was emphasizing there, even the, even over Rosenthal and Solcer, who got his second and third saves over the weekend. Diaz uh, was the Rockies' closer down the stretch last year. Uh, he has a lot of strikeout potential. Uh, he's not... You know, he's not this lockdown guy, but he's clearly the best they have. And Scott Oberg ain't coming back. They moved him to the 45-day IL. He's got a, another blood clot issue like he did in the second half of last year. So he's not coming back. I think Diaz might just keep this role and, uh, you know, be an okay source of saves. I, I, at the very least, I think there will be little competition for him, which you we could use after the way some of these teams have been bouncing from pitcher to pitcher. The Pirates place Mitch Keller on the 10-day IL with a left oblique strain, so that stinks, obviously. Uh, hopefully you have IL spots. Uh, if not, Chris, do you drop Mitch Keller? Yeah. Would you drop him yeah, for... I mean, we don't know how long it's going to be, but he right. hasn't looked that good anyway, so as much as it pains me, he was one of my favorite breakouts, yeah. I, I assume you would drop him for Chatwood and Javier. Would you drop him for Spencer Turnbull? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to add Spencer Tur Turnbull where I can. The Reds place Joey Votto on the IL with COVID symptoms on Sunday, though he has not tested positive. Twins manager Ron Gardenhire made it sound like Casey Mize was going to get the call Sunday for the Tigers' doubleheader, but ultimately they went with Daniel Norris. So, Scott, is now the time to stash Casey Mize? He's 40% rostered, one of the you know top prospects in baseball. Last year, a 2.55 ERA, 0.94 whip between high A and double A. It sounded like he was going to get the call, but ultimately, I, I really don't know where the Tigers stand with him now. Yeah, I uh, I got the sense. Uh, Ron, Ron Gardenhire said today, after the reporters learned it would actually be Daniel Norris, he said, that's not my department. <laughs> um, so I'm just not, I'm not sure he's, he's that. Uh, there's a lot of conferring going on there between him and the GM on who's getting the call next for the Tigers. And uh Probably should not take that comment too seriously. I uh, I had some claims put in for Mize until I saw he wasn't on the way up, and I just canceled them. The Padres place Eric Hosmer on the 10-day IL retroactive to July 29th with gastritis. There seems to be something going on around baseball. I mean, aside from COVID, obviously, uh, with some kind of stomach bug because Terry Francona had it as well, and of course, Chris Bryant. So pay attention to Hosmer if you had him in your lineup heading into the week. Uh, the White Sox placed Tim Anderson on the 10-day IL Saturday with a right groin strain. Nick Madrigal was called up on Friday, and he went 4-for-4 four four Sunday. He's 42% rostered. Uh, Chris, how imperative is it that you get Madrigal on your roster? Is he just a roto play because of the speed, or is he someone that you can actually consider in head-to-head -head points leagues as well? Yeah, I think you could absolutely consider starting him in a head-to-head -head points league. I think he's needs to be rostered in every single category basically because he has you know rare ability to help you in batting average like this is a guy who if he hits 325 this year you wouldn't blink 
and presumably has some stolen base, con- considerable stolen base upside. Obviously, what we've seen with the White Sox is that they haven't been willing to let guys run all that much uh, despite their speed. So we'll see on that. But at the very least, he'll help you in those two categories and could be elite in batting average. I, it, it, we, were, we were talking for a points league. Yes. Specifically. Uh, well, any league. What do you think, Scott? Well, I just, in a, in a points league, I, I, there's rarely an opportunity for me to carry a backup second baseman. Right. And look, if if Nick Madrigal doesn't run, he is David Fletcher, right? Yeah, or Luis who, Arias or someone. Yeah, Who, who certainly, you know, they have their place in fantasy, but probably not a points league roster. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't be so quick to run out and grab him, especially at the expense of like an extra arm carrying an extra arm. Sure. But that's in points. That, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I points. do. I, yeah. I had him on a points roster. Uh, I want to say it was the first podcast league that we did. And so I just slid him in there because I didn't really have a good second baseman. Sure. Mookie Betts is day to day with swelling in his middle finger. So pay attention to that for Monday. And Mike Musakis is day to day after being hit by a pitch on his forearm on Sunday. All right, time to talk about some of these players. The first one I wanted to get to was Tyler Chatwood. We spoke about him earlier on. So let's talk about Colin Moran, who is tied for the league lead with five home runs. He is 48% rostered in CBS Sports Leagues. And so far this season, Scott, I mean, he has changed the approach. Yeah, it's it's tough because I don't want to put too much stock in the batted ball data this early on, but I think that you should use it for people that are doing things differently than they have before. And so far, Colin Moran has a career-high 40% uh, fly ball rate, and he's pulling the ball a ton, a 70% pull rate, and he has started every game this season for the Pirates. He's not sitting against lefties. I I don't think that you're going to use him necessarily in a points league, you know, because third base mm-hmm. is just such a deep position. But I think in yeah. roto leagues with a corner infielder, yeah, you, you probably should be adding Colin Moran. Yeah, it's time to take a flyer on him in, in those leagues where you have more hitter spots to fill. I'm skeptical of what he's doing, and yeah. my hunch is it's just a hot start, but it's, you know, you look at what other hitters are available on the waiver wire, and there's not many out there offering uh, much more reason for excitement than him, much more reason to believe something may have changed. So, yeah, you know, I put, like, J.P. Crawford ahead of him. That was the number one hitter I was targeting on the waiver wire this weekend because, I mean, not only is he hitting well, but he's hardly striking out at all, and he's walking a ton, and just showing, to me, signs that, clearer signs, I think, of a breakout there, J.P. Crawford. But Moran was was up there among the hitters I was looking at. Yeah, like, the tough thing with this is, you know, we had some, I had someone on Twitter ask, like, is this for, are the batted ball, does the batted ball data say that this is for real? The batted ball data says he's actually been a little bit unlucky with his 497 Woba. He has an X Woba 518. He's crushing the ball so far. But so far. If, so far. if this was real, Colin Moran would be one of the best hitters of all time. He has a 97 <laughs> mile per hour average, average exit velocity. That is not what Colin Moran is going to be. He is just hot right now. And whether he settles in as a new kind of player who is really productive and can sustain like a 91 mile per hour average exit velocity, that would probably make him fantasy relevant. Uh, But it's one where if you just look at the batted ball did and say, wow, look how good he is. You're probably just falling for a hot streak. Scott, would you rather roster or for this week, would you rather start Colin Moran or Kyle Seager, who is also off to a hot start? He's betting 294 with 10 RBI. His 10 RBI are fourth most in the MLB right now. Uh, of those two, I would rather... Uh, Does one have more games than the other? No, they're both they're both in line yeah. for seven, and they both have jumps in terms of how good they are. I, I'd probably rather start Moran between those two, but, you know, that's, that's a little not bit an of exciting a mystery choice box. you're giving me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Even though he's been in the majors for five years. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just... Out of nowhere. Let's see if it's for real with Colin Moran. Teoscar Hernandez, another one who's kind of been around and he's flashed at times. He had a big second half last season in the majors. Uh, Four homers and two steals so far this season. He is rostered in 56% of CBS leagues. And so far he's lifting the ball. 25% line drive rate, 50% fly ball rates. uh, And has started every game for Toronto. 
So Chris, uh, probably not in a three outfielder league, but in a five outfielder league, how interested are you in Teoscar Hernandez? Not the most interesting uh, outfielder that we're going to talk about here, but like the problem is Teoscar Hernandez is hitting the ball really hard, which is what he's always done. The problem is he's still striking out a lot, and that's always been the thing that's held him back. He's always had the power. He's always had the, that skill. Um, and so my assumption is the bottom's going to fall out. At some point, he's going to go back to being a fringy fantasy option. But in a five outfielder league, I, I would start him for now. Someone who you might like more as uh, another outfielder on this list, just below him, Trent Grisham, who is That's off to a great one. start. 364 OBP. We talked about the OBP skills in the offseason. He has a 15% walk rate thus far. Not striking out very much either. 22% strikeout rate, which normally is right around league average. Three homers, two steals. Uh, Chris Grisham is someone you would rather own than Teoscar Hernandez, right? Yeah, that that one's another bit of a mystery box. Like we kind of know what Teoscar Hernandez is when Trent Grisham's kind of new and kind of shiny. He did play 51 games last year and was okay, but you know, he had 26 homers and and 12 steals in only 97 games at AAA or in the minors last season. Most of it was actually at AA. And so you know, that's the kind of thing where I I think I would just rather take a chance on him being uh you know, a top prospect who's figuring it out, or at least a, I guess, a former top prospect. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I would I, rather take the chance on Grisham's pedigree. I, in in our our, our our podcast league, which is a head-to-head points league, the standard podcast league, longest-running podcast league, I dumped Avisel Garcia as my third outfielder for Trent Grisham instead. And, you know, I talked to Garcia a lot in the preseason. I'm not turning the page on Garcia necessarily. He hasn't gotten, uh, you know, the Brewers had some games canceled over the weekend, so he hasn't gotten as many opportunities there. But with Grisham, what I'm seeing is, like, it may be now or never when you act on him. And you see what he did in the minors last year. He's walking a ton like he did then. He's already stolen two bases. Those were two things we didn't see in his 51-game stretch with the Brewers last year, him walking at least to this extent and him running – you know, he stole only one base in those 51 games. So those are, those are things I, we know he can do from his stint in the minors. And if he's doing that, uh, you know, the power is, is almost extra at that point, but it's, it's possible he ends up being a good power hitter too. Man, shout out to the Padres and Jace Tingler, man. Uh, first year manager, and he is letting the Padres run. Entering yes. today's action, they had 14 steals. The next closest <laughs> team was the Mariners with eight. So the Padres are off and running so far. Tommy Pham, Tatis is running as well. And it's a really good spot in the lineup for Grisham, too, to bat second right there, right behind Fernando Tatis and right ahead of Manny Machado, who, hey, Chris, Manny Machado's off to a pretty good start, if I must say so myself. I mean, it's, a, not, it's not a John Carlos Stanton stop. He start, had a but. 724 OPS before today. Oh, come so. on, Chris. Don't rain, don't rain on my parade. Jacoby, That's like John Carlos Stanton's on-base percentage. Oh, gosh. All right, here we go. Jacoby Jones! Scott, we spoke about Jacoby Jones a little bit last week. Does he rank firmly behind Trent Grisham and Teoscar Hernandez? He's betting 423 with three home runs, rostered in just 33% of leagues. He's behind them both, yeah. I, I think he's I, I think he's more in the Hernandez class uh than than like the Grisham class. I would put Grisham significantly ahead of both. And Jacoby Jones, like Jacoby Jones is aspiring to be Teoscar Hernandez. I feel like that's kind of the upside we're talking about where he's, you know, an adequate fifth outfielder for you because he's providing enough power. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's like he, he has enough of a pedigree that I'm not just completely ignoring this, but you know, he was pretty useless his first few years in the majors. So I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not speeding to pick him up either. Yeah, I would drop him behind those guys as well. In a five-outfielder league, you might need help there, uh, but much better lineup for Teoscar Hernandez compared to Jacoby Jones as well. A few other names. Robinson Cano was off to a very slow start. He has 11 hits over his last six games. He has a 38% line drive rate and a 50% hard contact rate. Chris, he has moved up to the fifth spot in the lineup the past two games, and with Cespedes opting out, I assume he's probably going to stay there. Your interest level in Robinson Cano. Uh, he probably needs to be in the discussion for the top 12 second baseman. Um, 
Like he was not great last year, but his XBA was 284 and his X slug was 457. So he was better than the the baseline numbers. And he was really good in 2018. I think that's something that's been kind of forgotten because he missed a lot of time with the suspension. And then there was, you know, the really bad 2019 season and kind of this assumption that, well, he was only good because of the PEDs in 2018. But I don't know, man, he he still seems to have a lot of the skills that made him such a good player. Now, I think for a few years, he was actually a little overrated for fantasy, but uh, at second base, you know, someone who can probably hit close to 290 in a good spot in the lineup with a little bit of pop. I'm thinking that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about interesting second baseman, we should probably mention Donovan Solano as well who had two more hits and two walks on Sunday. He's batting 484 with a 12-10 OPS. Scott, yeah. do we do anything with this? As an int- that, that, that's, that was a not-so-graceful um, transition from Robinson Cano to Donovan hey, Solano. Who Donovan are- Solano, I believe, has the highest batting average in baseball since the All-Star break last year. Former Marlon great. Marlon's yeah, he, legend. He hit 330 last year, and I'm not even saying he can't be an okay source of batting average that's all he would be like Hanser Alberto of the Orioles is probably a a better source of that and he's off to a great start too by the way Uh, but that's all he is like Hanser Alberto he's not like he's going to be rostered in all leagues it's just four deeper leagues with larger lineups if you need a batting average specialist maybe Donovan Solano can be that it's not a ringing endorsement. Yes, if 15 teamers are deeper or in NL only, he is playing every day just because he's on the San Francisco Giants. The last name I wanted to mention here among the hitters, Matt Kemp. He is 4% rostered. He is homered in back-to-back days. Yes, while playing in Colorado. Both of those were off of righties. I am interested in Matt Kemp in daily lineup leagues. When he is in the lineup, especially when he is playing in Colorado, I am interested in getting Matt Kemp in there. And you know what? Sam Hillier didn't play today. And who's the other gentleman, the uh, the outfielder that they have there? Who, Rymel Tapia? Uh, he wasn't yeah. in the lineup either. Um, Garrett Hampson that was, actually that was, was the first but, time Kemp. Right. Kemp. This was only the third game Kemp had started, and that was, I, be- I believe, the first one against a righty. Any so, interest, you know. Scott, in Kemp? What? What was that? Any interest in in Matt Kemp? No, I think you put it best. I mean, if 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 this becomes a trend and he's just playing every day. You know, and homering in back-to-back games, maybe, maybe it does further it. But I'm not, I'm not making a move for him yet. You know, I could see how you might want him in a daily lineup league, like you said. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/FantasyBaseball. Today, we're closing in on 1,200 subscribers. Thank you to everybody Ooh. who has subscribed already. Yeah. Like a rocket ship. Let's get it. Let's continue to grow the YouTube channel. And make sure to leave a five-star Apple podcast review. Drop a question in there, and we will answer it on a future podcast. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll look at some of the pitchers that we need to be talking about and some other performers from the weekend here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Who are some of the pitchers that we need to be talking about right now? We left off with Matt Kemp, a hitter out there in Colorado. Kyle Freeland, let's not forget, a couple of years ago, had a sub-3 ERA, quality starts in each of his first two starts this season against the Rangers and the Padres. Chris is laughing. He wants nothing to do with Kyle Freeland. I, look, I got to bring up the name. He has changed would, the pitch mix, and he is pitching well so far, Chris. I would rather have Matt Kemp. Pitching on your team? Uh, <laughs> maybe. No. I mean, Matt Kemp had a strong arm at one point. Uh, no, I just... There are so many... Like I, He could be a top 60 pitcher, but unless he has like an outlier strand rate or BABIP... Um, 
I just don't see much reason to think he's going to be very good for fantasy. Like, yes, he was pretty good in 2018. Let's talk about what happened in 2019. Uh, I just, I just don't think he's good. Yeah. There's definitely a limit on the upside there. I will point out that Freeland has been working on a changeup. He threw it a lot more often. He says it's, it's been his number one pitch. It's so taken him a long time to develop it, and he's pleased with the way hitters are responding to it right now. You know, maybe it could be something that unlocks a little more consistency from him, but the upside's only so high. I agree. The upside is so high. He faces the Giants this week. It's in Colorado. Keep that in mind. I, look, if you're desperate, you need a streaming pitcher this week. Yeah, like I am. I'm not opposed to Kyle Freeland. He's definitely behind Spencer Turnbull and the other names that we've been talking about, Tyler Chatwood and Christian Javier for sure. Let's talk about Spencer Turnbull. Mention him at the top. He went up against the Cincinnati Reds this weekend. Six innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs. For me, the biggest key is that he's he didn't walk many people in this start. Just one walk and six strikeouts. The walks were a huge issue for him last year. Uh, and basically, he has ditched the curveball, which was a very bad pitch for him last season. The fastball velocity is up. He's basically fastball slider uh, changeup. And he's throwing a lot more first pitch strikes. It's like a 70% first pitch strike percentage. He's 35% rostered. Uh, Scott, what is your interest level in Spencer Turnbull so far? Oh, I thought you were going to go to Chris. Because Chris says he's trying to get him everywhere. Yeah, I do really like Spencer Turnbull. He's (laughs) been someone who I've been interested in for a couple of years. Hasn't really uh, shown much before this, although the slider's been a pretty good pitch for him before. And, you know, throw your good pitches. Don't throw your bad pitches. Feels like a pretty good strategy to me. Uh, The velocity is up a tick. Not so much with the four-seamer. It's about half a mile per hour, but the sinker especially is really interesting. He's throwing a sinker 95 miles per hour. Um, anytime you're dealing with ex- with added velocity and he, he seems to have actually taken a couple of ticks off the slider, which, you know, I, that velocity separation could make a difference. I, I'm very interested in what he's done so far. Tons of strikeouts. Um, yeah. I like Spencer Turnbull. Scott, I'll throw two names your way. Seattle Mariners, Yusei Kikuchi, and Taiwan Walker, both 21% rostered on CBSSports.com. Kikuchi on Saturday against the A's. Six shutout innings, one walk, nine strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on 89 pitches. He's throwing a new cutter this season 44% of the time, which has basically been his main pitch, and he's throwing that pitch 93 miles per hour. Last year, his four-seam averaged 92.5 miles per hour. So he's throwing a cutter harder than his four-seam last year, and he's throwing his four-seam 95 this season. Taiwan Walker also against the A's this weekend on Friday. Eight strikeouts in seven shutout innings. Scott, who are you more interested in picking up, Yusei Kikuchi or Taiwan Walker, or none of the above? Oh, Kikuchi. Kikuchi, after Tyler Chatwood, I thought that was the most most important pitching performance in terms of you might want to pick him up after doing Agreed. that because you know, you, I, I'm not even sure, like depending on whether you look at Brooks baseball or Statcast or, or whatever, like there's some, there are some, uh, confusion over what to call his pitches, the fastball versus the cutter versus the slider. There's a lot of mixing up of those, but the bottom line is he's throwing whatever pitch he throws the hardest. He's throwing it about three miles per hour harder than last year. And he got, a, I just had a 20 swinging strike game. Yeah. You know, nine strikeout performance. Like this is he could be completely transformed here. And you know, it was somebody we were pretty excited about heading into last season before obviously knowing how badly that was going to play out. But there's there's obviously reason to suspect there's a good pitcher in there. And he that pitcher certainly certainly showed up on Saturday. The dropo meter. Let's make this kind of brief, guys. Just give me a number, 1 to 10, how you feel about these hitters right now. Yandy Diaz is batting 167. He does have nine walks to five strikeouts to start the year. Chris, Yandy Diaz, where is he on the dropout meter? Eight. Eight. I thought it was pretty fringy already. So Probably only really rostered in Roto Leagues, I would assume, as a corner infielder. Yeah, probably. Brian Reynolds, Scott, someone who... I was pretty excited about coming into the season, batting 143 with eight strikeouts, four walks, and only one extra base hit. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with Brian Reynolds. He's just off to a slow start. I, I don't think, you know, in a three outfielder league, particularly a points league, you could still drop him if there's something more exciting out there. Mike Gistrimski, if he's still out there. So I'll, I'll say it's a, I'll say it's a 
five for Reynolds, just accounting for the wide variety of formats, but he's going to be fine. Another outfielder off to a slow start, Oscar Mercado. He is batting .080 with zero steals, and he's batting near the bottom of the lineup for Cleveland. Chris, where does Oscar Mercado rank? Uh, probably only like a three. Uh, okay, you know, the so biggest issue in my eyes is the batting order position. He's been batting ninth pretty much all season. Um, you know, that's going to limit your fantasy upside even when he does start hitting. There's no reason to hold Mercado in a points league though, right? It's sure. Just, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. basically a steal source. Yeah. He right. can't be a top 35 outfielder batting ninth. Yeah. Andrew Benintendi is betting 083 and he's not playing against left-handed pitching. He did not play on Sunday against James Paxton. Scott Benintendi. Wow. What a fall from grace. Where does he rank on the <laughs> dropometer? Uh, seven. Oof. Seven. I might, uh, in five outfielder leagues, you might hold out for some recapturing of some upside there, but not, not too. I'm, I'm surprised the name you skipped on this list. I don't know if you're going to go back to it, but I thought it was the most interesting one. Yeah, I'm yeah, just 29% strikeout rate for Ben Benintendi, by the way. And uh, frankly, kind of wish he had been able to go up against James Paxton. <laughs> Might have been the slump buster he needed. Yeah, honestly, you're not wrong the way that he's pitching. And I'm just lumping the hitters together for now, Scott, and then I'm okay. going to get to all, all these right, names. We'll all uh, right. Chris Davis with a K. Gosh, maybe I should be answering this one. Oh, my goodness <sighs> gracious. Uh, wait, hold on a second. Oh, my good goodness gracious. He is batting. He has one hit in 19 at-bats. He has a 38% strikeout rate. He has started one game in the last four games for the Oakland A's. And for some reason, I just can't bring myself to drop Chris Davis. So I will I will set it at a four. But I don't feel good about it. I, I don't feel good about Chris Davis right now. Anyone disagree? Chris Davis? I was going to say like six. Okay. Yeah. I, it's a rough thing. The thing go. is, like, I was the downer coming in on Chris Davis. And if not for the fact that he's been sitting so much lately, I would not think much of anything about this start. Yeah, it would seem just like confirmation bias for somebody who was in the position I was. But uh, but yeah, sitting sitting is a problem. (laughs) Humble brag alert for Scott. (laughs) Uh, Another Oakland A, Sean Manaya. He has a 7.00 ERA, a 1-2-2 whip. Hasn't allowed a walk, which is good. He has a 51% ground ball rate, which is also good. Uh, But Scott, the numbers for Sean Manaya are not. Where is he on the dropometer? Uh, nine or 10. I, Ooh, there's not a league where I have him that I didn't drop him for somebody else this weekend. And drop him for Kikuchi. Oh yeah. I would drop him for Kikuchi. Sure. Yeah, I, wow. Like I didn't, I didn't really know what we were getting into with Manaya this year. I, I knew he was good for five starts last year and in the kind of pitching landscape we were looking at coming into the season, that was enough to, you know, kind of put him in the middle of the starting pitcher rankings. But no, there's not enough of a track record of. Uh, you would think we would learn. Yeah. Like you would think we would be burned by like the guy who has a good 80 innings and be like, oh, we got to be skeptical of small sample. Sean and I, like on the one hand, he's only thrown nine innings so far this season. On the other hand, that's only 20 and two thirds fewer than he threw last season. Like I don't, I don't have any. I, I don't really want to say we were wrong to invest what we did in him because the range of pitchers we were ranking him in was with like Mike Fultonevich and Masahiro Tanaka. Like, but it, it was, was it was a range where you're like, well, I could see how this guy could be good, but eh, probably shouldn't count on him too much. But I feel like it was higher than he'd ever been drafted before. Maybe. And it was based on 29 innings. Yeah, he was yeah. a fringe top 50 starting pitcher heading into the season. And I, yeah. I didn't really want anything to do with him. I wound up with him in one league. It was an auction league just because he was going for way too cheap. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm all right dropping Sean Manaya. How about Luke Weaver? Where is uh, Adam when we need him? He has allowed 12 earned runs over his first two starts against the Padres and the Dodgers. He's allowing a 72% hard contact rate, Chris. Luke Weaver. Uh, he's not going to keep allowing a 72% hard contact rate unless like, he might, unless he might just not be a professional baseball player if he does, but I would bet that that's not going to happen. Uh, but I'm fine with dropping him. I feel like uh, what, what I said about Manaya, I could say about Weaver, except it was 12 starts instead of five. Yeah. Scott. Yeah, and he had a little more of a pedigree and a little more of a background. Like he, Luke Weaver did have, it was a 2017 when he was, like it was kind of him and 
Jack Flaherty. And I want to say some people were higher on Weaver yeah. going into 2018 than Flaherty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, look, it's a, it's a dreadful start so far. It's like There's really not much to back it up outside of the velocity looking good and swinging strike rate is actually up for Luke Weaver. Um, right. Did you actually give a number, uh, Chris? Eight. Eight on Luke Weaver. Scott, we got to put you on the spot. Josh James, seven earned runs, 11 walks over his first two starts, just six innings pitched. What are we doing with Josh James and his SPARP el- eligibility? I don't, uh, I, I don't see how you could justify holding on to him in a league where there's somebody you want to add. You know, he's probably your bottom guy at this point. I, I do want to say, Framber Valdez came in and pitched six and a third really good innings to replace Josh James today. Yeah, he did. And I, Framber Valdez, he's interesting. interesting. Uh, he's a guy whose potential has always fascinated me. He eight eight strikeouts in six and a third scoreless innings, fifteen swinging strikes, and he has like elite ground ball skills too. He's kind of it's kind of Lance McCullers like actually. Probably not as much strikeout potential, but you know he's he could definitely be a useful fantasy pitcher. He he already had a rotation spot though. Just James went so short in this one that they had to burn him, and now maybe they're moving Christian Javier up a day so that he's a two star pitcher next week. Nothing else for me to fix. Um, But yeah, Josh James getting back, you know, 11 walks and six innings in his two starts. Like, I I don't want to give up on him forever because I still think there's a lot of talent there. But like, I don't know that the Astros are going to give him another turn. Yeah. And I certainly can't want to put him in my lineup right now. That's just suicidal. Yeah. Keep an eye on Brandon Bialik who uh, I believe would be next up in line if they do decide to call on another starting pitcher. Studs being studs from the weekend, guys. I'm going to run through this. If there's anything that you want to stop me to talk about, feel free to do so. Aaron Judge has hit a home run in five straight games. He is very good. I'll just throw the L up now. Another one that I'll take the L on early on so far this season. You Darvish against the Pirates. Six shutout innings, seven strikeouts, 18 swinging strikes on 86 pitches. Zach Gallen. Hmm. Remember when people were emailing us after his first start? Oh my God, all the walks. What is going on with Zach Gallen? Well, he went up against the Dodgers. Six innings, two earned runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, 19 Ace. swinging strikes on 98 pitches against the Dodgers. Ace. Hmm. You like to see that from Zach Gallen. Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez both had four hit games on Saturday, each with a home run. Uh, both look like they're just going to be total studs for this entire season. I, I don't want to overreact too early, but Robert and Eloy look great. Whit Merrifield, another one. Why don't you know? You, you should have just took my bus column and just drafted everyone off of it because Whit Merrifield, <laughs> three for five with a home run and two RBI. I think he has three home runs already this season. Not sure that I was expecting a, a power output from Merrifield. Kyle Tucker. Uh, he had three hits on Friday, and then he was hitting cleanup on Saturday. Scott, if he was dropped in any leagues, how imperative is it to get Kyle Tucker back on your team? I mean, he needs to be rostered in five outfielder leagues for sure. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of upside there. He's getting chances for now. Uh, I don't think it's clear at this point that he has, especially with the way Dusty Baker was treating him early on, that he's won the right field job when Jordan Alvarez comes back, which could be in like a week. But, you know, he's at least starting against every right-hander and is in, you know, not just buried at the bottom of the lineup either. So he's he's getting the chance he needs now to break through and earn a more permanent role. So five outfielder leagues for sure. You need to have that stashed away in case he does break through. I'm not sure that Griffin Canning is a stud, but I will lump him in this conversation because against the Astros, six innings of one-run ball, five strikeouts on Saturday. Very strong performance, and he goes up against Seattle. I know that he is one of your favorite sleepers for this week. Scott referring to uh, Griffin Canning again. Kenta Maeda against Cleveland on Saturday. Six innings, one hit, one walk, six strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes on 83 pitches. Uh, The breakout looks imminent for Kenta Maeda. Julio Arias. Six innings pitch. You like to see that going deeper into this one. 90 pitches, uh, five strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes for Arias. Nick Castellanos, a double dong. He's now up to four home runs. Had that double dong on Sunday. Aaron Savale against the Twins. 
Guys, I don't know where the strikeouts are coming from. He has a very interesting pitch mix. He throws, you know, five different pitches. His two seam is like ridiculous. I saw a pitch that he threw to Jorge Polanco today, and I was just like, what happened? Six innings well, it, pitch. It's th- interesting because yes. according to Baseball Savant, he hasn't been throwing his sinker at all this year. I don't like it was a 91 mile per hour fastball that had two seam. I mean, it was breaking back over the plate to a left handed mm-hmm. batter. So yeah, that's the cutter, right? I mean, he's basically leading with the cutter. No, I it it, it was going the other way, so it wasn't a cutter. Oh. I don't. It, it looked like <laughs> either a two seamer or a changeup broke off from off the plate over the plate. So it broke away from a lefty. Okay. Like it looked, yeah. it was Jorge Polanco batting left handed. And it looked like yeah. the pitch was coming right at him and then broke over the plate. So it had like screwball action. It was just, it was a wild yeah, pitch. Yeah. What I was going to say is he stopped throwing his two seamer, his sinker, which, unless you've got an elite sinker, you probably shouldn't throw one. Yeah. Because uh, it's just not, just by results, well, it's a really bad pitch for most pitchers. I'm not going to say it across the board for everyone, but for most pitchers, you get worse results on your sinker than just about any other pitch. Uh, you don't get swing strikes. You make create a lot of contact. And generally speaking, it doesn't suppress contact, hard contact, the way you would hope it it should. Um, so is, is baseball savant calling it a, his fastball the four seamer then? Because yeah, Brooks baseball still shows him as basically not having a four seamer and throwing a sinker. Yeah, it could be. It could be one or the other. Then yeah. <laughs> I, I think. Like he's just throwing his fastball less and his secondary yeah. pitches more and his secondary pitches are better. That's that's yeah, the way I'd sum it up without getting into the weeds too much for yeah. Savale. 18 strikeouts over his first 12 innings pitch this season. I think Aaron Savale has entered must-start territory. He's going up against the White Sox again this week. Joey Gallo, 3-for-4 with his third home run on Sunday. Uh, he also has two steals in the season. His swinging strike rate is down. His strikeout rate is down considerably as well. So Joey Gallo taking the necessary steps to improve as a player all around. Uh, And then Trevor Bauer against the Tigers. A seven-inning complete game. Two hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. Throw up another L for you guys uh, on Trevor Bauer. His first two starts have been great. They've both been against the Tigers. So do with that what you will. Uh, Some duds from the weekend, Scott. Luis Castillo, five earned runs against that same Tigers lineup. That was a little shocking. Uh, Blake Snell. Still only threw three innings against the Orioles. Uh, Mike Clevenger, five walks. Otani, we already talked about. Uh, Who are you most worried about here? Castillo, Snell, Mike Clevenger. I'm most worried about about Snell because it's taken him a long time to ramp up here. He's still only gotten up to three three innings. And, uh, you know, it's not like his, it's not like his ratios are the, in, in terms of like ERA and WHIP, it's it's not like you can just plug him in and expect to get that kind of help. I'm I'm not sure he's startable right now. In in other words, and yeah. really Lu- basically any format. Luis Castillo, he was just he was eight thousand dollars on DraftKings. He was the chalk play of the night, and that's why he pitched so poorly. That's that's the that's the explanation. You know what's hilarious about he's that? Ruined Chris, everyone's lineups and is that we play in the same contest together every Friday night. And when I saw his salary, I said, they know something. They, they know something that we don't. Like, it's way too obvious that you should have Luis Castillo in your lineup. And I still used him, but yeah. you're right. I mean, it's it's almost like they knew something that we didn't, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, uh, I think it was like 85% owned in that lineup, in that tournament. Yeah. Uh, Scott, in terms of the bullpen this weekend, I have a ton of notes. I don't know that we should run through every single thing that happened, but yeah. if there are a few things that you think are most pivotal from the weekend regarding bullpens, uh, what are those? Yeah, I kind of got into some of this earlier. Um, I talked about Sulcer and Jonathan uh, Martinez, Hernandez, right? Jonathan Hernandez. Hernandez, gosh. Yeah, yeah Jonathan Hernandez. Uh, but, you know, some other stuff that happened. Um, Sergio Romo did get a save again Sunday. It was a second. Obviously, there was a little bit of concern about that last week. Taylor Rogers had pitched two straight games and three of the previous four, so I'm not really looking too much into that again. Um, Trevor got pitched the eighth inning setting up for somebody else. And ultimately, you know, nobody, ultimately there wasn't a save after that, but he was pitching up the eighth inning, more like a setup role. But what was interesting about that is Nick Solak, Willie Calhoun and Joey Gallo were up for the Rangers. So I, I feel like Trevor got that, even though he pitched the eighth, I, 
that's Gabe Kapler's version of a closer, right? The just the highest, the high leverage guy, which will often be the ninth inning. I, I think Gott is pretty firmly in the lead for saves for the Giants, even though he'll get Kapler from time to time. Uh, Edwin Diaz got used in the seventh inning. The Mets broadcasters thought it was just to give him some confidence. He walked one, struck out one. He's he complained st- about going too long between outings last mm. time. You know, he said he doesn't like, he said something to the effect of it would help if I didn't go five days between pitching. So I would assume they're going to try to use him more no matter what the role is. Yeah. And Kirby Yates might be causing a freak out for some people. His first two outings have been awful. Drew Pomeranz has now picked up two saves. I think, I don't know if both were bailing him out, but the one this weekend was. But like the velocity seems fine. And Jace Tingler said he has a lot of confidence in him still. He'll go right back to him next time. I'm not sure it's worth freaking out about Kirby Yates yet, but uh, it, it might just be the hurried start to the season. He's just not in mid-season form yet. I don't know, but they're sticking with him. I'm sticking with him too. Don't know what's going to happen with Craig Kimbrell. He looks pretty awful. Yeah, it's he came in on, I believe it was Friday, and he allowed back-to-back homers to Josh Bell and Colin Moran. I so. guess what he has going for him is everyone else in the Cubs bullpen is terrible too. Yeah. So uh, Ryan, Rowan Wick picked up a two-out save on Saturday. He did allow a hit and a walk, so it's not like he was shut down either. Right. Kyle Ryan the, came in with a 4-0 four, four um, yeah. lead, and he allowed three runs. So you're right, Chris. He, I mean, made, it's he just, made it a safe situation. It's yeah. not a great bullpen. It's just and, and given the financial investment in Craig Kimbrell, I, just, I think they're going to try and let him work through it. But look, if you play in a deeper league, maybe try and you know, grab Rowan Wick as well if you own Craig Kimbrell. And notably, the the notable lack of financial investment in anyone else in the bullpen. Yeah. You so know, they opted to let a couple of guys walk this offseason and did not spend any money to replace them. It's almost like a Wade Davis situation with the Rockies. Like the Rockies know Wade Davis is not good, but they still open the season with him as the closer because he's just making so much money. Scott, take us home with your uh, weekly planner here heading into, I don't know if this is week two for some people, week three, the week that starts on Monday, August 3rd. It's week three officially is what we're calling it, but it might be week two for some people. Yeah. Um, so we talked on Thursday night or Friday was probably when people were hearing it. We talked about how the Orioles were playing only four games and the Yankees were playing only five and they were, you know, the, the worst two hitting matchups for, well, the worst two matchups for hitters. They both have had three games added since then. <laughs> because of the way the Marlins and Phillies schedules were reworked. Sounds like both of those teams, they haven't played this whole past week. Sounds like they're both going to be ready to go here uh, at the start of week three. The Marlins beginning on Thursday. I mean, I'm sorry, the Marlins beginning on Tuesday and the Phillies beginning on Monday. So now the Yankees are playing eight games and the Orioles are playing seven and the matchups are fine. You can use whatever hitters you want from those two lineups. Uh yeah, I mean, the the teams I'd be worried now are the Cardinals, as we talked about at the top of the show, the Cardinals and the teams facing them, which are the Tigers and the Cubs. And especially the Cardinals, they'd be really reluctant to start any of their hitters or any of their pitchers for that matter. And, and you know, one thing that comes to mind, having seen the way this first these first couple weeks have played out, I'm not sure how much you want to be pursuing two start pitchers in a weekly league, just knowing how quickly games could be lost out of nowhere. You know, when you, when you pick up a two start pitcher, typically the only reason you're doing it is because you expecting them to make two starts. And I, I just don't know how safe you can feel about that. Like, I think you need to prioritize. I think you need to de-emphasize volume in that way, I guess, and and focus just on who the most talented players are. And oftentimes you're going to end up better doing that anyway. But like you, you just can't count on, you can't count on the week schedule, the the upcoming week schedule to actually hold. And if you saw the number of edits I had to make just from Thursday, changes happening all over the league, you would understand why I'm saying that. It's going to be. 
you're, you're, we're not going to have a lot of foresight into these things. Yeah, I agree. Look, you start your studs for the first part of the season here. And obviously, um, things are changing very quickly in MLB regarding schedules and teams testing positive and uh, hopefully, you know, the Cardinals situation is not so bad. Cross your fingers because we want the baseball season to continue. We didn't get to your questions today, but continue to send those in. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.